so bored. I wish I had something to do. <sighs> Thanks for letting me sleep in, kids. If you make a mess in the kitchen, please let me know so I can clean it up. Raising kids is so easy. I just love driving around all day. Oh, I never have to repeat myself. They always listen so carefully. Oh, look. An empty box of cereal. Love it. Just wipe it on your sleeve. It's pretty cold, but you don't need a coat. Oh, you don't have to push in your chair. Don't make your bed, you're just gonna sleep in it again later. I think I'll skip the coffee today. You know, these throw pillows look way better on the floor. I'm really not that busy. Well, you haven't showered in three days, but I think you smell great. We do have food at home, but let's just go out to eat. Just brush your teeth whenever you feel like it. Here, take my phone charger and go put it in your room. Oh, just leave your dirty dishes on the counter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's all pull out our phones. Youth sports are so cheap. Braces are so cheap. School fees are so cheap. Hey, can you come crawl in bed with me around 2 a.m.? Thanks. Okay, I just spent two hours making dinner, but if you don't like it, that's fine. Just let me know and I'll make you something else. Don't even bother looking for that. I'm sure it's lost and gone forever. Can somebody please throw something at my head? I mean, I can keep track of every single one of your things. I get a ton of sleep. I get a ton of gratitude from my children. I get a ton of unsolicited help with the housework. Oh, you don't have to hurry up. We're gonna be right on time. Can someone please throw something at the TV? Thanks for doing the laundry, everyone. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Can you use your outside voice? Ah! Fight, fight, fight! The floor of this vehicle is so clean, I can't believe it. Oh, good. Another trip to the grocery store today. Let's go. Does somebody want to come use the bathroom while I'm in here? Hey, New City, welcome. I'm Tammy. And I'm Ron. And we're so glad you're here. And happy Mother's Day to all our mothers and to other women in our lives who have nurtured and mothered us. We remember you and we're so grateful for you today. Hey, if this is your first time with us, we're glad you found us. And we would love to have the opportunity to get to know you. Let us know that you're here by going to the website and filling out a connect form. You can find that at newcity.us connect. And here at New City, one of our values is that servant leadership is our offering. That means we believe the greatest gift we can give our city and world is to serve with generous hearts. And as a way to celebrate you, New City family, I wanna take a moment to highlight a few of the most recent ways we've served in the city of Charlotte. The first is our Care Cards project. You made nearly 300 cards for healthcare workers that all included $5 gift cards and a handwritten note. You also gave generously to Project Books, which is where we're going to give away five books, a reading journal, and pencil packs to all 1,600 students in Greenway Park and Ottawa Elementary to help them keep their passion for reading alive this summer. And we just finished Teacher Appreciation Week, where we provide lunch and a few special treats for 340 teachers at our three partner schools. All of this is made possible by you, New City family through your generous giving of your time, your talents, and your resources. You're making a difference. And if you want to serve with us in any of these future events, I'd encourage you to check out newcity.us serve. 
Your generosity is why we can do those kinds of things in our community. A portion of what you give each week goes directly into serving our city and our world. And we want to thank you for being part of the mission of New City to be a community of Christ followers, bringing gospel renewal to our city and world. You can give today by going to our website at newcity.us give or by texting the word NEWCITYONL to the number 77977. And thank you again so much for being a generous church that cares about others. As we begin our time in worship today, I'm reminded of Psalm 150 verse 6 that says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let's worship together, New City.
There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. It's your presence.
only by your presence, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that meets us here wherever we are. And you say where two or more are gathered in your name, you promise to be with us. So I thank you. I thank you that you are here with us. Give us listening ears as we hear the message. Help us to receive you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Today you'll hear a sermon from Pastor Chris on the parable of the net, the last of the micro parables in Matthew 13. This parable reminds us that as followers of Jesus, we're the ones called to be fishers of men. Now here's Chris with the next sermon and stories Jesus told. This story Jesus told is found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 50. The kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, happy Mother's Day weekend. We're so grateful for all the moms uh, out there and grateful for the place that you play in our lives. And so we hope you feel honored and valued and cared for today because you you are. And I also want to say to those of you who have lost your mom um, that our hearts are with you today. I know that this weekend uh, can be a tough weekend as you remember uh, your mom and you remember stories. And I do pray that um, you would have a smile this weekend when you think about your mom's love for you and maybe a story um, in a way that they cared for you and, and loved you. And for those who um, are listening today that long to be mothers, um, that you're praying um, that God would give you a child. Um, our hearts are with you as well. I know it can be difficult in this waiting season, and ultimately our prayer is that you know God would give you the desires of your heart um, in his timing and in his plan. So before we jump in, can I, can I pray for you? Let's pray together. God, thanks for all the moms in our lives. We're grateful for them, uh, for the place that they play. Um, in our hearts and our lives. We, we just want to celebrate them and honor them and, and thank you for the gift that they are today. And I do want to pray for each of my friends today who have lost their mom. Um, I want to pray today, even in this moment, that you would fill their heart and their mind with a memory of their mother, um, a special time or special moment um, that they shared together and that that would bring a smile to their face and that they would know that they're loved, um, that you would meet them today in their loss, and that hole may be in their heart and life, that you would meet them with your love. And I also want to pray for my friends today that are longing to be mothers and are in this waiting season. Um, for those who have had heartbreak and loss, um, we want um, them to know today, um, through your love, through your grace, um, that there's hope. Um, and I want to pray today that you would give them the desires of their heart to be moms in your time and in your way, and that you'd meet them in that place, especially on today. Um, help us to uh, come together now to hear from your word, to be comforted, to be challenged, to be encouraged. And we pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Jesus told stories. Jesus told stories. I think he told stories partly because stories are sticky. 
we remember stories even more than we remember a list of facts or data. We can, we can hear something or smell something or see something and be reminded of a story that someone told or that we lived out. And so Jesus told stories to his disciples and to uh, crowds of people to explain to them who he was and to invite them to understand and be in relationship with him. And so we've been walking through in a series the stories that Jesus told, specifically from the Gospel of Matthew. So if you have a copy of the Scriptures today, I want to invite you to go ahead and be turning to Matthew chapter 13, because in the Gospel of Matthew, there's over 20 stories that Jesus tells, and a third of them, check this out, a third of those stories are found in one chapter Matthew chapter 13. So we spent several weeks uh, in this chapter as a church. We've been talking about soil. We've been talking about weeds and wheat. We've talked about mustard seeds. We talked about leaven, um, hidden treasure, uh, the pearl of great value. And today we're going to talk about a fishing net, the final story in Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to learn today that God calls us to fish, but he is the one that finishes. Jesus told these stories because he wanted to parallel our lives. He sort of came beside us and parked beside us with his truth in a way that uh, mirrored our realities, you know, our everyday occurrences, our jobs, what we experience. So Jesus told all these different types of stories, a lot of them about the land, about farming, and about fishing, because most of the people that he was talking to lived off the land. They were farmers or they were fishermen. In fact, many of you know that Jesus' first disciples, many of them were fishermen, and he found them in the act of fishing. His very first disciple that he calls early on in the Gospel of Matthew, this book that we've been walking through together, is a man named Andrew. He's fishing. Uh, he's he's um, following after John the Baptist. He was actually a disciple of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, hey, Jesus, he's, the, he's really the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus finds Andrew and calls him to follow after him. And Andrew goes and finds his brother, Simon, who would later be renamed Peter. And just for a second, as we think about Jesus meeting these people right where they were on the job, in the, on the work site, uh, as they're fishing and calling them to, to follow after him, I wonder who's done that for you. You know, uh, the metaphor today is, is about casting a net with the gospel uh, and fishing for, for, for men, for people. Who, who fished for you? You know, who took an interest in you? I remember a family growing up in our neighborhood. My parents were not followers of Jesus uh, early on in my life. And there was a family that lived in our neighborhood right up the street that I can look back now, and they were praying for us. They were, they were fishing for us with the gospel. And they invited us to church over and over and over again and introduced us to Jesus. I wonder who did that for you. I wonder who, like Andrew found his brother, I wonder um, who was your Andrew, and I wonder who's your Peter. Like, who's the person that you're uh, introducing to Jesus and inviting to come uh, to church and experience all the things of Jesus? That's, that's so important, because that's exactly what um, Jesus has done for each of us. You know, and like discipleship, which really means followership, like following Jesus, the way that Jesus called Andrew and Peter and his other disciples to follow him was distinct. It was different. The way that Jesus calls us to follow him and uh, be his disciples is distinctive. In the first century, the rabbis would often find the best and the brightest uh, in the villages, and they would have them come and memorize what they were saying and observe what they were doing as rabbis. So if you think about it, this is interesting. Jesus was passed over by rabbis. All the fishermen, all the, the early disciples that Jesus was calling, they were passed over. They weren't called to, to be followers of the rabbis. And yet Jesus meets these people distinctively and calls them. 
and he calls them more than just memorizing facts or you know observing. He he actually uses them in his teaching. Remember, they're carrying the baskets of bread at the feeding of the five thousand. They're participating in miracles. They're praying for people. They're casting out demons. Uh, they are listening to his sermons and putting it into action. And that's what discipleship is. It's more than just head knowledge. It is head knowledge, but it's it's heart, character, it's skills, it's on-the-job training. That's what Jesus called these disciples to. That's what he calls each and every one of us to. And he begins with the end in mind, right? As he's teaching these stories about farming and about fishing and meeting people in their in their everyday lives, um, this was sort of the end goal for Jesus. He, he says it here early on in, in, in uh, the Gospel of Matthew as he's calling his early disciples. He says this. I love it. He says, um, Follow me. Again, that's what discipleship is when we hear that word. It's following Jesus. Follow me, and I will make you. Follow me, and I will make you. And here's the word today, fishers of men. As we think about this parable of the net and the fact that we fish and God finishes, Jesus is clearly calling his disciples to leave their literal nets and to come and cast the net of the kingdom and be fishers of men. But before we move on, just really quickly, as we think about this whole idea of following Jesus and what was discipleship and what does it mean even now for us to follow Jesus and to be his disciples, we follow him and, and, and who's, the, who's the one that makes us more uh, into the, the people that God calls us to be, made in his image and becoming alive to who God has made us to be? It's Jesus. God makes us. He's the causative agent. He's the one that's making us more and more into who he created us to be. And ultimately, that's going to lead us to being fishers of men, to casting the net of the gospel for other people. So that leads us to our story today, the parable of the net. And again, it's found in Matthew chapter 13. Just a quick little bit of context. In Matthew 13, Jesus is telling these seven different stories, most of them about what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. He's coming beside people. He's parallel parking uh, with their expectations and reality, with what um, the reality of the kingdom of heaven was, was really going to be like. And he tells this succession of stories, and this is the final one, the parable of the net. Let me read it to you. Here's the, here's the story, a fishing story, if you will, beginning in verse 47. Follow along with me in Matthew 13. Jesus said again, the kingdom of heaven is like, this is the sixth time he's used that phrase in this one chapter, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. Verse 48, when it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So what's happening here when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a net? And what's our place in that and what's God's place in that? Well, let me just give a little bit of context and just an understanding of what was happening here when Jesus was talking to many of these fishermen about now the kingdom of heaven is going to be like that net that you used to cast into the sea. So there were three different types of nets that were used in the first century. And again, many of these guys that were listening to Jesus tell these stories were fishermen. They understood this. There was a trammel net. I brought a picture for you to see, okay? And the trammel net uh, is used in another story in the Bible that was often cast off the side of a boat when they would go out into boats and fish. The cast net, some of you use that when you go to the beach. In the summer, you take a cast net, you throw it. It's in a specific spot in a a small area. And then there's the drag net. And this was a, a, a huge net. Oftentimes, it was the size from end to end of a football field, over, over a thousand feet long, and it could be as high as 25 feet. I mean, it was a, a massive net. So the net that Jesus is teaching about here in this parable in Matthew chapter 13 is the drag net. 
And, th and that's going to help us to understand his explanation of the metaphor that it's like the kingdom of heaven. Because you can see how big of a space it covers and how many people it takes to actually work on that net and, and pull it in. And you can also understand that with a drag net, you're not specifically you know, casting in one spot or one place. It, it's a massive area. And of course, it, it's 25 feet deep. So when it would fall to the bottom of the of the sea and it would be, you know, drug into shore, it would bring what? It, it would drag the bottom and it would bring everything with it, all kinds of different fish. And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this fishing process. It's like a dragnet. Um, a lot of times they would put it on, like here it's being pulled by different people, but sometimes they would put it on one side of a boat and do a semicircle. Or sometimes they would put this net in between two boats and then, and, and then come right into shore and pull everything up. And then uh, the passage says here in verse 48 that the fishermen would go from pulling the net in and to sorting. They would sit on the shore and as best they could as fishermen with their knowledge of fish, they would say, this is a good fish. We can take it to market and sell it. This is a bad fish. And they would do that sorting. And Jesus says, that's what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. Uh, in other words, you're going to fish and I'm going to finish. But what does this mean? Like, what's the explanation? Well, here's a really unique part of our parable today, of our story, the parable of the net is that Jesus gives an, an overt explanation to this parable. He didn't always do that with the other stories. And he does it without even being asked. Earlier on in this chapter, the, the, the disciples come to Jesus and say, tell us what this parable means. And he tells them, now they don't even ask. He's just saying, you know, here's the explanation of what's happening. And he gives the explanation in verses 49 and 50. Let me read it to you. He says, from my Bible. Uh, he says, so it will be at the, uh, at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil and the righteous. So when that dragnet is pulled in and they're beginning to sort, what Jesus is explaining is that, yes, the fishermen are sorting as best they can with their experience, but really God is going to finish the job. At the end of the age, uh, the angels are going to come and separate the evil from the righteous. And then, verse 50, they're going to throw them into the fiery furnace, the, the evil, and that place they'll be weeping and they'll be gnashing of teeth. So this takes a, a, a very serious turn in the explanation where Jesus is teaching his disciples, again, here's what everybody's role is. Your role is to go and fish with the gospel and to pull that dragnet in. And it's going to pull in all kinds of different fish and all kinds of different people. My job, the job of God, is to sort it out, to ultimately to judge. And again, the angels appear. And the parable of the weeds, which is the parallel uh, story here to the parable of the net, it's about the present. And remember in chapter 13, Jesus says in the parable of the wheat and the tares, uh, they're going to grow up beside each other in this present age. And then there's going to come a judgment and they'll be sorted out. This story is about the future. It's not about the present. It's about the future. It's about the coming judgment and the separation of the wicked and the righteous. And the net is going to pull in all of those people together. The gospel is going to have an effect on all of humanity. It's meant to be used to, uh, and gone out to all mankind. The net is meant to be cast far and wide and then pulled in. John Piper, uh, a pastor in Minneapolis, offers this explanation about this parable. He says, the mystery of the kingdom, or the net, is that the people who come under the power of God's kingdom are, as we say, a mixed bag, or in our metaphor here, what Jesus is telling in the story, a mixed net. Some are true disciples, 
righteous, and some are hypocrites, evil. Now, the word hypocrite in the Greek uh, means to wear a mask, and we're all very familiar with that right now, but this is a different kind of mask. The mask that a hypocrite would wear would be like in a play, and so you would think they're one thing, but actually there's something else. And so even though in the metaphor, in the parable, Jesus says the fishermen are doing their best to sort good and bad, what they think they can take to market and what they can't, ultimately it's only God that can see who's good, who's bad, which begs the question. Everybody watch this just for a second. Who who is good? As we look at the scriptures, as we understand the story of God, what makes a person good? And have you ever asked yourself the question when it comes to the future, like heaven and hell and what Jesus is talking about here, how good is good enough? What makes a person good enough? What makes a fish good enough to to be put in one basket and the other in a a bad basket, if you will, to be thrown out, to be cast away? Well, we know that the scriptures teach us, the gospel teaches us that none of us are good, that on our own, none of us are going to be sorted in uh, in a righteous way. Um, that we're all that, that we all fall short of God's standard. That that on our own we're all to use the metaphor evil. We're all um, in rebellion against God and are going to be cast away from God. Not because of God's choice, but because of our choice. And here's the miracle of the gospel. Because you have to know, right, that you're lost before you can really know uh, how to be found. You have to know that. Uh, gosh, I'm, I'm, I don't measure up. I'm not good enough before you can see Jesus for who he really is, as the one who came to, to seek and to save each of us and to bring us into relationship with us, to, to, uh, to make us righteous. And that's what the, the work of the cross is. That's what the gospel is. The net that Jesus is talking about here is the gospel. It should be cast far and wide for every man, woman, and child to hear, to understand, and to know because it's only through Jesus that we're made righteous. That, that's the point that Jesus is making in this story. Not that we can try hard enough or that we were just born as a good fish or that, that we're gonna be 51 to 49 and we're just gonna eke our way in. No, none of us are good without the work of Jesus. That's, that's the point of this parable, that we fish with the gospel and that God ultimately judges, not based on our works, but on his completed work and our acceptance of that or not. And he says here very clearly in verse 50, that there's a literal place that people are separated to. There's a heaven and there's a hell. You know, some of us would, would like to think that people who don't know God just cease to exist when they die. But Jesus is talking about a future judgment here. And he's saying there's a literal place called hell. And he uses a colloquialism here of it's a place, underline that in your Bible, verse 50, it's a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You say, man, that is hard to hear. It is hard to hear. We should talk about this in a somber way and in a way that we have tears in our eyes thinking about anyone going to that place because God didn't make us for hell and God doesn't send anyone to hell. He desires that all of us would know him, know his completed work on the cross, place our trust in him and be with him forever in his eternal family. But Jesus is making clear here in the story that there is a place called hell. It's a place where the devil himself and the demons exist. It's a place of separation from God. In fact, uh, Jesus taught more about hell in his ministry than any other prophet, priest, or teacher, or preacher in all of the Bible. Why? Because he didn't want you to go there. He wanted to be honest. 
He wanted to, to show you why he came, to invite you in a relationship with him, not by your works or anything you could do or your religiosity, but by grace through your simple faith or trust in what he's done for us. And one of Jesus's teachings, he compares this literal place, hell, to a place in Jerusalem that all of his audience would have known. Again, it's sort of like a parable. He's telling them in a way they could understand. It was like a, a garbage heap outside of Jerusalem. It was a, a literal place called Gehenna. And it was a place that was always smoldering and burning because people would take all of their trash and refuge and dump it there, and then they would burn it. And when you would go there, if you've ever been to a landfill, you don't want to be there long. It smells, it's dark. In this place, it was smoky, it was burning. And Jesus says, that's what hell is like. And I don't want any of you to go there. And I want you to understand all of these stories. I want you to understand who I am, specifically the parable of the net because your job is to go and be fishers of men and to cast the net of the gospel, to be called in that yourself by grace through faith and to go and share it with other people. You know, in my house, I am known as the person who throws away everything. Um, so I don't know if you're that person in your house. Um, sometimes I get falsely accused, but probably for good reason, that I just like to get rid of clutter. And sometimes I've been known to get rid of things that are valuable to my kids or to Jen. And, you know, in thinking about that and in thinking about what Jesus is saying, I've, I've thrown away like um, crafts and just different art pieces and things that I thought they were done with, but that they were valuing it that they loved. And I've watched some of them and I've been with them sometimes going through the trash and pulling out a treasure or something of value to them that they created because it doesn't belong there and they wanna hold it close to them. You know, it makes me think about what Jesus is saying here. God made each of us and he didn't create us for hell. He created us for heaven. He created us for a relationship with him and his whole mission, his whole desire is to seek and to save that which was lost and to, to pull us close to his heart and to save us from this literal place, this reality of hell. And he says to his disciples and he says to each of us, you know, we, it, we fish as, as disciples and God says, I'm, I'm going to finish. It's not up to you to judge people. I'll do the ultimate judging. And there is a day that's coming of judgment and sorting. But your job while we have the time is to cast the net far and wide with the gospel and to, to, to be just like those men pulling that net in. We're meant to put our hands to the net with others uh, who, who have the same heart for Jesus and understand and, and pull that net in. And so Jesus asked that question as he finishes the parable and, and actually as sort of a, a summation of all the parables in Matthew 13, he asked the question here in verse 51, have you understood these things? And this is like the application. So as you think about how am I gonna put this story, the parable of the net and all these stories that Jesus has told, how can I put this into practice? Well, in verses 51 and 52, Jesus asked the question, have you understood this? Which again is, is, is rare. A lot of times he tells the story and that's it. Sometimes he tells the story and gives an explanation if he's asked. This time he tells the story, he gives an explanation without being asked, and then he follows up and he says, have you understood all of these things? And he's referring to all the stories that he's told. Remember the context of this, that after the parable of the weeds, uh, Jesus and his disciples go into a private home. There may have been a few other people listening, but this, the audience, the primary audience for this parable, the parable of the net, is his disciples. He's pulling them close. It's like a, it's like a team huddle. And he's saying to them, do you guys get this? Do you understand this? And this is one of the few times in all the gospels where the disciples say, yes, we get it. 
we understand as like the light bulb comes on. And Jesus, of course, as the rabbi, as the teacher with his disciples, this is a wonderful moment. And he says to them, he's so excited, yeah, because you answered yes, because you understand this, it's not just knowledge, it's not just skills, it's not just experience, it's all of that that, le that is leading up to understanding, which was the whole purpose of the parables. Jesus told parables and stories so people could understand, not just have knowledge, not just have experiences, not just have skills, but all of them together that led to an understanding understanding. And when the disciples say, yes, we understand, Jesus says, this is what I'm looking for. And because you understand this, you understand the essence of the kingdom that I came to seek and save the lost. And now I'm asking you to fish and I'm going to finish the work. What I began, I'm going to finish. But, but while we're in this present age, you're called to go and fish. I'm making you fishers of men. And he says, Jesus continues here, he's so excited and there's such an urgency to what he's saying. You can feel that in the, pa in the, in the passage that there's an, there's an urgency, there's an excitement. And Jesus says, because you've answered yes, you're like the scribes of the kingdom. Now, the scribes in the first century were important people that were like the holders of all the religious material. They, they had all the understanding and the knowledge. And Jesus says, because you said yes, that you understand this parable and the, the stories I've told you, you're the scribes. And you're going to go like a master of a house and set before them the things of Jesus. All the people are going to be able to see Jesus and the kingdom on display because of your understanding. That is the power of Jesus's teaching and specifically the parables that they were meant to, to, to lead to an understanding that could go and help other people to understand. You know, as disciples of Jesus, right? Follow me and I will make you uh, fishers of men. As disciples of Jesus, Jesus is making us. He's ultimately making us fishers of men, casting that net Disciples are meant to go and make disciples. Followers of Jesus, for those of you who are watching today who are, who are Christ followers, we're meant to go help other people follow Jesus. So, so let me end this way, just by way of application for all of us, just with the question that Jesus asked his disciples and that he's asking each of us, do you understand the things that I've said? Do you understand all these stories that I've told you? It, it, are you moving from just, you know, just a set of facts or experiences or religiosity to a true understanding? And if the answer is yes, that you understand, then go fish and know that God finishes. We fish, but God finishes. To him alone be the glory today. Would you pray with me? Jesus, would you help us to understand more and more who you are and what you came here to do, to seek and to save that which was lost. Every single person, you want to be pulled close to you through the net of the gospel. So help us to find our place in that. Help us to understand and then to go fish and to trust you to sort it all out, that you're gonna finish the good work that you've begun in our lives and the lives of people around us. Would you give us the wisdom to know what you're saying, what you've taught in this story and all these stories. And would you give us the courage and the faith to go now in our lives and to follow you as you make us fishers of men. In the name of Jesus, amen. Atmosphere, your glory, God is one.
Thanks so much for worshiping with us today. If something stuck out to you from the sermon and you'd like to go deeper and learn more, we'd love to offer you this free book, How Good Is Good Enough by Andy Stanley. This short book does such a great job unpacking the common misconception that good people go to heaven. If you'd like to request a copy, just send me your name and address to my email, rdasher at newcity.us, and I'll drop you one in the mail this week. Now, if you would, wherever you are, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great week, New City.